The Broken Boys have reconvened as we are wrapping up season three of our favorite British crime show, Luther. My name is Devin Higgins, and I am joined as always by the rest of the band, starting with Philip Moselak. I am the whirlwind. Sean Shipley. I always wondered what ha- would happen if a Glaswegian dick met a British Punisher. Eric Scott. Does anyone really understand social media? And Jason Johnson. Uh, I was going to be the whirlwind too, so I guess I'm sitting this one out. I don't know. Oh, you can say so- I, 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 will, I will kill you and eat you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he, he's my mate, and I love him, so we'll go with that. That'll work. So. As we are wrapping up this third uh, season of Luther, again, as we are getting ready for season five to premiere later on this year, uh, we've been lax on giving any sort of spoiler warnings going into these episodes because we're talking about shows that are five, six, seven years in the past. And if you haven't watched them by now, that's kind of on you. But uh, in this case, I'm definitely going to drop a spoiler horn because... This is one of, and I didn't even realize it uh, until we went back and watched it, of just how much goes on in these two episodes. So uh, if you are following along with this show and you want to be able to, I would recommend you check them out first before you uh, tune in and listen to this one. So that said, guys, when we left Luther a couple weeks ago, things were on an uptick, and now we get these two penultimate episodes for season three. Give me your impressions of them because they were a big one. Uh, I like the episodes a lot. I do not like the consequences that this will have for the show going forward. Oh, is it the just the inevitable loss of life? Well, I should say inevitable. I don't think it was inevitable at all and quite shocking. That? I did... Plus yeah. the bridge at the very end. Well, yeah, and you had to keep watching through the credits, or you you really you really miss out. I mean, if you if you didn't do that, um, I we were talking a little before we we jumped on, and boy, could this be a movie in and of itself? These these last two, I would say so, especially because. Ostensibly, there's a B plot, but it kind of all merges into, like, A plot. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they're not really two separate things happening. Well, and that was one of the things I really liked about it was, you know, generally, we've historically, we've had the two plots, and they've kind of carried on separately. And in this one, by the time we hit the end of the, the first half, they were they, they head-on collided, and from then on, it was just hold on. So Yeah, I mean, I was saying before, like, everything in this... These two episodes were so tight, like woven together. There was no dead space. Pardon the pun. There was you know, no, you know, stuff you could trim out. Everything was just like you know, bang bang after the other. It was just solid episode acting, solid drama. You know, it was emotional highs and lows. It was fantastic. So, well, with that, let's let's jump into it because we have, and as our normal purview goes, we usually break down the A plot and the B plot, and if there's a C plot, we go there too. But Again, as as you guys said, with these two episodes, everything kind of converges from part one to part two. But let's get the A-plot out of the way, at least, so we have a general understanding of what we're talking about here. And it, I will say, as soon as I started watching this one, and I knew it was coming up, I went, okay, this is one that I know Shibley's going to really like. Because all through 
from where we started till now, there's been multiple points where, Sean, I know you've sat there and said, hey, why does anybody just take a gun out and do something about this? And now we get it. Except we have a vigilante who is trying to clean up London one blast at a time. And I think the way this was introduced was really, really interesting. Because, um, well, you know, you have that meat cute that young couple falls in love, they drive off, right? And then they're beset upon by these three street thugs, right? And at first, my first thought was, fine, like, finally, we're going to be following not murderers, but, like, carjackers and thieves and stuff, right? And then they start beating on the guy, and it looks like they're going to rape the woman, and it's just looking really bleak. And then, uh, guy, like, the guy, like, walks in on, you know, Clint Eastwood style, and just in his bearing, you could tell he is not at all uh, worried about the situation, the state of events. Then he just opens up on them with a shotgun. Right? And, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and hunts them down, and then um, we cut to, uh, was it Shank who was interviewing the woman, or was it Arthur, uh, uh, John? I think it was it was John who was interviewing. Yeah, and John said uh, the woman said he had a kind voice. He held the boy's hand until the ambulance came, and then uh, John asks for information about him, and she's like, "Fuck you." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was immediately a setup, and I I found this to be slightly of an echo of you know, granted we initially convened over the Punisher. And now we are at, you know, this is our, our, we say a low-ranking vigilante, but it's not that different. I mean, it, it really isn't. And it starts to make me believe because we start to go down the path of John's morality. And in some ways, it's stated fully, you know, he is a good man. But I, I really do kind of wonder sometimes, is, is he just put into, would he be? If it weren't for the badge, would he be? And I and I don't know for sure. So he hasn't done anything like right. offhanded that would lead me down that path. But the, but I just wonder if John, left to his own devices, could not be right there. So, have any of you ever read The Killing Joke? Yes. yes. And Joker's premise that anyone is just one bad day away from being him. Mhm. So I mean you you wonder if uh if um Murrow is Luther with one really bad day. Yeah, and well, that's and and as we as we work through the rest of the episode, I think we'll see it, but one thing I thought they did a um an interesting take on is that at the start of the episode, he's a very sympathetic character, Marwood. You know, mm-hmm. uh historically all the all the characters all the the villains that that luther's been chasing from the get-go have been creepy or you you know you kind of knew knew from the start you didn't you didn't like them you wanted him to catch them and in in this one we start out with a guy that you know we can again a reflection back to the punisher series we talked about earlier but you know we don't necessarily have the same feelings for him we do the typical villain well and then as we get through the the through the series he picks up the pace and you you kind of get more and more like okay he's now crossing the lines so here's the thing that is again i think is american sensibilities versus british sensibilities right 
in many, if not most, U.S. states, what he did there wasn't even illegal. Right. right like, as as it would be quantified as what self defense. Uh, in like for example, in any stand your ground state. So if they don't have castle doctrine or duty to flee, you are allowed to use the force necessary to stop a felony in progress. Right. So like it's, it's not just yourself; it's also in the protection of others. Any felony, so. really. So like in Kansas, you can shoot someone to stop an active felony, which obviously those people, what they were doing was an active felony. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah, yourself or defense of others, right? Like, and even in castle, like, so you know how we have kind of like the three levels of self-defense? Like Mm -hmm. in in California and the more liberal states, you have a duty to flee where you have to be able to leave the scene. And if you can't leave the scene, then you may use force. Um, And then the middle states are castle doctrine, which are like, you, you can use lethal force if you're reasonably scared, but you have to be in like in your house, in your place of business or in your car or something. And then you have stand your ground states, which Kansas is one of, where uh, you may use force to defend yourself, others, or prevent the commission of a felony any place you're legally allowed to be. So under like my state's law, what he did was perfectly legal. Disclaimer: At no point is this intended to be legal advice. I was just saying it's it's worth noting the psychological aspect of it as well, because for Marwood, the reason why he's taken this path is because he was i don't want to say he was victimized but he's doing this to avenge his wife who was victimized and when we find these two uh guys who had been shot as they were accosting this couple uh they've got stuffed in their mouths these little tags saying for caitlin.com which plays back to when we had the early days of social media because again these episodes were done five years ago so you think about what advances we have in terms of like YouTube and Snapchat and how you're able to utilize those tools to get your message out. And that's what Marwood does is he starts taking it, it starts bypassing the traditional means and just basically going to the public square going, I'm done with this. The system failed me. I want to set it right. And this is what I'm going yeah. to do about it. And he starts going after people that he knows have broken the law. And to build up support for what he's ultimately trying to do. So I think he becomes gradually less and less sympathetic, right? Because like right. his first kill, he's killing, he's he's defending people who are being victimized in the moment and and preventing an active crime with honestly a reasonable level of force for the situation, right? Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, especially as Americans a lot of Americans wouldn't see anything at all wrong with that, right? Um, But then he starts killing people who have been convicted and gone through the system but have gotten unduly light sentences. They've been spit out, as so so, uh, Luther says. Yeah, but they aren't actively, like, he's not running in on, like, a pedophile actively abusing a child, right? Right, right. He's he's playing Dexter at that point, which is a lot less, uh, a lot less sympathetic. Right, but simultaneously you have the people that he's going after, like the second guy, the the one that they find who's hanging in the park, that was a guy who abetted in the uh, death of a child. Then he goes after someone who is convicted as a pedophile. So, court of public opinion, you're going to see people with very, very, very little sympathy for either of those people, especially because the system spat them out, 
when most people would rather say, well, they should never be let out in the first place. So you get that juxtaposition of understanding that, yes, the system eventually has to let these people go versus the people who would rather they never get out or just immediately just be executed regardless of of any sort of jurisprudence or or legality. Yeah, and with one of them with the former child rapist, right? Luther was trying to <clears throat> trying to play the court of public opinion, right? By getting the victim to uh to plead for the person's life. Right, but if you remember that conversation he had with that victim and she's trying to figure out why he's talking to her, Luther makes it very clear to her that he's like, "Look, I have no I have no interest in in making this guy out to be anything other than what he is. I, you know, and and he is very upfront about that. But at the same time, he's bound by the reality that he's a police officer who's trying to stop a crime from being committed. Yeah. But my, but when she gets on the press conference, right? Oh, and it, you know, it, like she's been. It looked like she's on board, right? She's on the press conference, and you expect for her to tell her not to kill him, and then she just says, "Kill him." Yeah, and, and yeah, well, the look when, on Shane's face. When they had that long pause, yeah, when they had that, that long pause between, you know, and I just want to say to him, I'm like, oh, here it comes. Yeah. It. <laughs> well, the music cue was kind of was kind of on point. Is right. is that what put John in a pickle? Because you know, both he and Shank, or Shank tells him, you know, we're on the hook for this if it goes yeah. the wrong way. Is that what puts John on the lamb? No, 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 no. It's it's um, it's that comes later. That okay. comes later. That comes a little no. later because we have to back up a little bit because John confronts uh, uh, the the vigilante, right? Yep. And uh, the, well, here's the other thing. You know, they they keep later on saying, "Well, why didn't you bring him in? Why didn't you bring him in?" Right? And it's like, well, he had a shotgun and was ten feet away from me, and uh, I had my dick in my hand. You know, <laughs> like right. And he yeah. was across a little canal, too, so it's not like he's going to jump the, over the water yeah, and tackle I mean, the guy with a shotgun point That wasn't blank. an option, right? <laughs> and I mean, the fact that they construed it as one. Seriously, give Luther a gun! Well, well, and, well it, and that's actually exactly where I was going to go, because I was going to ask y'all the thoughts on that. It, it, so far, Luther doesn't carry a gun at, in any of the scenes, for the most part, except the one time I think he actually picked it out, uh, checked one out for Ian, but uh, when you get to see uh, Aaron and uh, Stark, they're both carrying. Yeah. So I, I know I'm not as familiar with their practice over there, but it, no, how are they well, differentiating why certain ones can? Because in that conversation that he has with Marwood, as Marwood's pointing a shotgun at him, Luther makes it clear his ideology on it, which is he's not an executioner. And, and regardless of the situation, that's not his makeup. That's not what he does. I... And... Yeah, I mean, that strains credibility because at some point you're going to be in a position where you got to have a weapon on you because you're going to have somebody who's trying to kill you. So here's the thing. That first confrontation, he he didn't really expect to have a direct confrontation with him. I can forgive him that, right? Yeah, he got the jump on him because he went there mm-hmm. expecting to meet Marwood's brother-in-law. And when he shows up, it was, oh, crap. But when they go after the guy on the noose, like they're actively going to confront him, right? Mm-hmm. They are leaving the station with the intention of confronting this guy with a shotgun and who knows right. what else. There is literally, literally no, like, no sane commander would allow them to go unarmed, right? 
or without having the the special forces unit or something, right? They're not going to send two unarmed guys against a person who not only wields a shotgun, but has shown he is willing to use it. Well, and you've well, got think, a mob. I think they were coming, though. The, the, the special forces guys or what, SWAT yeah, yeah. SWAT versus were coming. Luke, they were just like 10 minutes Luther away did versus phone them it being in. like two minutes away. So they, yeah. they were closer. But they could have checked out guns. We've seen them do it. It just doesn't make any <laughs> – at that point, it's, this is going to because the plot says they don't get a gun. Now, right. not knowing what mob like, – like how you run a mob through, wait a minute. Like – they ran up on a, you know, what, 30, 40 people, maybe, and, but, but, and vastly growing because he tweeted out the location. I'm wondering, does, I mean, do you, I mean, even if he had a gun, wouldn't you at least fire off a shot? I know that seems like real cowboyish, but to at least calm and quell them. These are Brits you're or, talking about. You know how they are with their cues. Yeah, yeah get people to disperse. I mean, yeah. and, and yeah, I, the way it goes, this story plans that pans out. I mean, yeah, there's going to be a lot of of differentiation between how we would handle it on this side of the pond, and obviously how they handle it. And I think, and with Neil Cross, it was always in trying to set Luther apart from where we would take traditional cop procedurals. Um, you know, this isn't how he does things. Like I, I've just finished watching season four of Bosch. And for being an L.A. crime drama, I mean, he's got his gun on his hip at all times. Well, but it's required in the U.S. But right. again, confronting a person who is an active armed murderer, right? you cannot confront this person. You cannot contain this person unless you yourself are armed. Mm-hmm. And frankly, this is one of those, I think, probably the worst because the script said so. And the, reason, the only reason I think they did that is because they wanted Ripley to die. And if they're armed, it's a lot harder to make that happen. Mm-hmm. And with that, Eric, yeah. what did you think of what happened? To, to Ripley, um, I, I, I could start, I, I could see it coming as he's, you know, the, the, you know, Marwood's in the corner. He's got the shotgun leveled at him. And he's like, you know, let me go. No. Okay, no, really, let me go or I'm going to shoot you. No. I'm like, okay, don't bring sharp words to a gunfight, first of all. But, yeah, I mean, and, but then looking back after, you know, Marwa did shoot Ripley, I, I, could, I could see the seeds they were sowing, like the hints they were sowing throughout the show. Yeah, and we should, like, like, while we're here, that this gives us a chance to kind of get the B-plot going, because this first episode starts pretty much the morning after episode two of the season ends at Luther's flat with Mary. And at first they have a discussion about Zoe, mm-hmm. which was interesting because again, we, there wasn't a whole lot dedicated to it, but I liked how, again, it was somewhat awkward, but also fairly organic in the way that was done. But we didn't get this massive info dump of, Oh, well here's what's happened over the previous two seasons that you need to catch up on in my life. Yeah. And then Justin shows up and I loved how the first thing Luther says to him says, come in. And Justin looks because wait a minute, you, you don't invite me in. Yeah. You've never, never invited me in. What the hell is going on? And then, and then Luther says, this is my mate. I love him. Right. And the minute he says, I love him. I'm like, Oh fuck. Was that the, the telegraph that you knew he was going to die? Yeah, I was like, oh, God, yeah. he's dead. 
that's the first foreshadowing of the, there's like one or two more. Yeah. Yeah. Because the second one was when they were at the office and Luther says to him, you know, why aren't you doing my job? You know, it's time for you to move on yeah. and kind of do, do my job. And I think at that point, it, it also conveys that Luther is to the point where he's looking at his own getting out. And yeah, he tells him to to have little Ripley's of his own by that point. Yeah, yeah, it's like you know, don't don't squander all your time basically hanging around with me. Get up, get on with doing your own stuff. And even Justin, that for that moment, he's like, "Wait a minute, why are we having this conversation now?" And, and that's that's the second one. Then there's yep. one more after that. There's one more where because once we have this set up with with Mary and Justin and uh, Luther. And and again, kudos to Andrew Elba because he. It's the first time I've seen John happy enough to be like playful, sarcastic. Well, we had never seen that side of John before, ever. And, and let me just say this: like John invites Ripley in, and it's really the most inopportune time for Mary. She doesn't uh, yeah. have pants on, and but I got I. It was that he was so excited about having these two people that he cares about meet that he totally loses i mean the guy that sees uh, angles just like collapse because he's like look how happy i am i have all my favorite people well i remember mm-hmm. he just came off doubting ripley believing ripley betrayed him only to find out that uh good call that's right the recording yeah so yeah. he's probably feeling sheepish and that he has to be over affectionate because well, and, yeah. and plus he's he's in a good state in his life now. Finally, again, you know, he has a you know a love of his life. You know, he's he's got his best friend, the guy that stood up for him against you know this witch hunt uh, with uh, Stark and Gray going on. Yeah. And so I mean, yeah, of course, of course, you know, everything's great. Things are looking up, and we have to get into with there. There you go with Stark because we thought you know he may be done for the season. No, hell no. He no and proceeds to cock block Luther in the worst possible way. <laughs> Yeah, and that comes like five minutes later because Mary is still at John's flat when Stark and Gray show up and they've got a new file, even though John had taken all their stuff out of their shop at the end of episode two. They come in with all this stuff and dump it in Mary's lap and go, here's what's actually going on with your boyfriend. And And watching how they twist it. That's just How are they move. twisting it? Because they almost are lining it up to where, like, John is the reason that Zoe died. Like, it's it could be perceived that John set those things in motion to have her killed. It was bizarre. Yeah. That, that, that's that, been Aaron's state of play the whole time, right? That was right? just she's a been, spite move. pushing towards... You know, just to spite I see, him. I don't know. I think I think Aaron's uh, Gray's all... The whole, the whole approach she's had to Luther is that... You know, it's too much of a coincidence, all the people falling around him, and that it must be his doing. But remember, right at that point is the point where Gray starts to doubt Stark, yeah. right? Like, yes. So After that point. Yeah. yeah, like, because this is obviously such a spite move on Luther. Like, it's not furthering the investigation, right? It's just, it's just hurting Luther for the sake of hurting Luther. And Gray... She starts to have her doubts, right? She starts to uh, 
to. Well, she's starting but, to question Stark's mo- uh, motivations on. Yeah, and like, you know, they, what does this They thing brought become? him in to catch him doing something illegal to prove he was a bad cop. Dating Mary doesn't prove he's a bad cop. You know, having having that opportunity for him to be happy does not prove anything. It just gives Stark leverage to use against John, and I- that's exactly what he ends up conveying to John when they have that standoff back at at Stark's shop where they're standing eye to eye and Luther's telling him, you know, you can hit me all you want. You know, you come at me fine. I'll bite back just as hard. We'll see you standing at the end, but leave Mary out of it. And you can see Stark kind of setting his feet going, okay, let's, let's see. And this leads to probably one of my absolute favorite, like from a cinematography standpoint, shot scenes in this whole thing. Because um, Luther calls Mary, asks to come over to her shop to talk about it. She does not want to see him in the shop. She's obviously afraid of him. So she agrees to meet him in a public place, right? Yep. But it, I don't know if you noticed, but every single shot when they're meeting in the public place just emphasizes the size disparity between Mary and Luther. Yeah. Oh, like, no. Mary is not a, a – she is a petite woman by Al- comparison to yeah. John. Like, Alice is kind of a robust woman, right? Like, she's tall and broad, right? Mm-hmm. But, yeah. And you and you see that later when they're interacting with each other. Yeah. The size difference between the two of them shows. But but the, the just seeing, like, that give like, it shows you, puts you in Mary's mindset, like, why she would be just afraid and confused and unsure of anything, right? Mm-hmm. And just... Well, I've got, I've got, I've got a theory about that. Since the, when the very first thing they do is the, they show Mary this folder. She opens the folder up only looks at one thing and gets like this look on her like horror on her face which i'm wondering if that was like the uh crime scene photo of zoe's body it's it, i would, would suspect it, it probably it would have was to be. right yeah because then she's all concerned about zoe what happened to zoe and how you know if her previous if luther's previous love looks like that oh my god what's gonna happen to me mm-hmm. and so yeah so Mary's kind of unstable. She's like semi cooperating. But even then, she calls Stark that Glaswegian dick. Yeah. <laughs> right. Which I've always kind of noticed in like proper British, there's that subtle undertone of racism towards the Irish and the, the Scots. Mm hmm. Well, and I think in, in this circumstance, given what we know about Stark, it's not wholly undeserved. Yeah, because, like you said, the, what he did was a was a real dick move. Yeah, you know. But just to point out, like up until the mid nineties, the common term for somebody being stupid was "that's a bit Irish of you, isn't it?" Hmm. So. <laughs> um. Yeah, and it's at this point that Gray goes back to, of all people, she goes to Justin, and says, tries to get him to listen, and and Ripley. Stonewalls her, really, for good reason. You know, no, well, no. But I'm, wait a I'm minute. I'm not saying it's not deserved, but you know, he's basically looking at her, going, you know, what do you want me to do? Now, you are know? we talking about the scene where she comes into the station and everything yep. goes yeah. silent? Yep. Okay. Now, there's two things that I, I'm I'm <clears throat> not sure about. One is when they kissed. Was that real? Because I didn't think it was. I thought it was completely put together by Gray in order to throw Luther off. And then we have the double down as, wait a minute, let's talk as human beings in a civilized manner over drinks. 
I agree with that, Mose. I think, yeah, it was initially it was designed to be a misdirection for for John as a way for Gray to outsmart him. Uh, but if you think about it in terms of Justin's character and how it's his whole thing was always, I need to set this right. He still understood that he had to kind of square things with with Gray with everything that happened in season two and now with what had happened at at their shop when Justin or uh, when Luther came in and grabbed all their stuff. And I think it's his point of of just trying to reach out and going, look, can we be human beings for for five damn minutes instead of all this stupid cop crap that we're doing clandestine meetings and shit like this? How about we just go? Have a drink and just talk. And also, and that's the, and that's the third and, and final and hint that uh, Ripley's was, days are numbered. But also, it, yeah, if you telegraph, that's what I was going to sure. ask. Also, the kiss could have been much more real to uh, Ripley than it was to Gray. Agreed. And Ripley was probably feeling very manipulated and very, very uh, distrustful. Because remember, it's only been a day since they tried to use him as a tool. Well, and Stark is not a good guy. He he. Pl- I mean, they know what he does. He he plays hard, and and he's now in a competition and a dick measuring match with Luther. Which, and now for all the reasons Aaron like flipped on Luther, now she's got to flip on Stark because he's doing. They Stark and Luther are not that dissimilar, except Luther has. Like he's on the side of the angels, even if right, absolutely. I I don't disagree with that. However, I think it's it's you know she she it's it's like she gets in. Be- you have these characters that get in between these big peers, and Stark, for all intents and purposes, is like this you know a quasi peer against Luther. Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, so I think we should cut to the beginning of the second episode, right? Well, yeah, but before we do, I mean, because it all filters back to what happens when we have Marwood and that standoff with Justin in the alley, and I know we've already touched on it, but I did, you know, yeah, for everything we've said about how, why, you know, Justin didn't have a gun on him and why he didn't stand off with him in a more definitive fashion, part of the reason why I've always had this just resentment for these two episodes is the fact that when you get to that point and you see Justin and he's just doing his job and Marwood even expresses that he said you know what you did coming through that crowd to get me that was a brave thing man I'm not I'm not trying to make this difficult for you but just back off and Justin isn't threatening and he's not trying to be aggressive but at the same time Justin's a cop and he knows it and he's not gonna back down yeah and when that gun discharges and you see him flying backwards, it just and and again when Luther shows up and he finds his body there and you just see the literally as as the life is left Ripley, you see the life just drain out of John to the point where he's just lying there on the ground next to his best friend who was alive five seconds earlier, but he couldn't get there to help him. Yeah. And What's Ripley's thing? Ripley comes through. One way or another, Ripley comes through, right? He came through when the the torture dude early on was uh, torturing yep, him. He the Spring Hill Jack. With the mm-hmm. computer thing, he came through. He came through on the uh, 
confession, like Ripley comes through. He comes through. That's what he does. And yeah. he's not doing that this time. No. You know, even before that, just when, when he first sees Justin laying there, he's like, come on, Justin, get up. Get yeah, up. I thought that was, I was like, really... Oh, man. Like, it's, just the expression of, of what shock does to you. Yeah, just this total disbelief that I, I can't be seeing what I'm seeing. It's yeah, like the, in Lion King where, like, he Simba's trying to poke his dad back to life. Well, and, and upon reflection, and, see, and this is something that I had forgotten about until I went back and saw it again, is even more painful for me than, than John, was Shank. When Shank shows up and sees him there, I mean, you know, that was his comrade in arms. It was, you know, well, he I was think, responsible for him. It was one of his boys. Like, he is the responsible father to those, you know. Yeah. And, well, and, and they had bonded on the previous cases even before they formed the unit, right? I mean, they, exactly. they, were, they were tight from before. <clears throat> uh, I, I will say that this, this scene uh, reminded me that I was definitely emotionally invested in the show. I didn't realize, you know, how much of the investment I had in it until that scene because you kind of get used to major characters coming and going. But if, you, if you'd yeah. asked me who was going to make it to the end, again, with my erroneous predictions, it had been those two, and Ripley then, and Luther, right? Yeah. And, and then we have that part where Marwood like terrorizes Mary in Luther's house. Yeah, because he had managed to copy John's phone. Yeah, there was some jiggery pokery in there. I wasn't totally game on how he knew where to go. Well, they did establish he copied the phone. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah, and they... I did like, again, the cinematography on that, because you have Mary there at John's place, and she's watching the news, and she sees word that Justin is dead, and she's obviously trying to figure out what's going on, and then when she looks out the window, and Marwood's just standing there looking up the window, Mm -hmm. and he's got the shotgun in his hand, it was like, oh, crap. Yeah, Yeah, I figured she was toast at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and here's so leading back to we see Shank and Luther just kind of you know just speechless like unable to process what just happened right both kind yeah. of and then what do we get we get uh, Gray and Stark coming in and then Stark or Gray uh it, like over her tears, like you can tell she doesn't want to do that. What does she say? She arrests. Yeah, they arrest John, and that this is the one part of it where it, it script wise, this was the hardest thing for me to process. Well, arrests John for the murder of Ripley. Yeah, and the attempted Be- murder of Mary. And my favorite part of that was Shank's reaction. Yeah. Well, what like, was it? I yeah, got me. I because this upset me, but I could because I honestly did not remember this, and it really took me for a spin. But Shank's reaction was like, you know, of all the crimes I could see Luther committing, this would have been, you know, negative twenty three. Yeah, like does, like he may have he may he may have killed killed uh, Morrowood. But there is no chance in hell he would kill Ripley. Yeah, it just felt like Minority Report. Like, wait a minute, you're how is it that he's getting hit for this and not, and it didn't happen in one case? Well, it, and see, that's, like, why, that's why again I have trouble with it too. But if you go back to what I was saying about Gray's 
and Stark's thought process on Luther's um, what he's guilty of. And they've been trying to make the case the whole time that people around him die and it's yeah. his fault. But they have so to now s- they're flipping it and saying that he. Yeah, they, they're trying to make it say that that because Justin could have incriminating him, that he was he, he killed him, so, which, again, you know, evidence to the contrary. Well, but. you have to see they tortured the truth even more to the point of absurdity, because what they said is technically like that Marwood pulled the trigger. Right. But that was as repayment of a favor that John did when he didn't bring him in when they were confronting each other, which we've already established would have been impossible. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So they're like, and then for some reason he wants her to kill Mary too, because I don't know. Right. Right. Because- and, and that is where, when in that interrogation scene where John is not even regarding Stark as he's explaining it to him. And every time Aaron opens her mouth to say something, you see him just looking over at her. Mm-hmm. And the combination of of pure grief and raw fury he has when he finally looks at her and just says, just shut up. Yeah. And, and you yeah, see I, I him, was waiting him to go. I was waiting for him to go across that table, either to Stark or her or something, which I'm like, okay, control yourself, dude. Don't yeah. don't don't I, let him I, pull you, you know, push you that far. I also liked how they were like, you gave her the key and told her where to be and where Marwood found her. And he's like, uh, yeah, I told the woman I'm sleeping with to meet me back at my place and gave her the key to my house. Right? That's not... Right. And, like, and... he didn't like, tell her to meet her in the secret basement of the Louvre. <laughs> no, but it, it stands to the just how warped Grey and Stark have become in terms of their perception of who John is. Well, Grey is obviously doubting this. She's, like, I'm feeling like she's being bullied at this point, right? Right. Yeah. But yeah, conversely... Yeah, I was going to think, think this is all Stark's idea, and he's, he's got her enough to where he can get her to go along with, yeah, it was all Luther's idea. Yeah. Right, but she was also emotionally compromised enough because it was Justin, and we had that slight scene between the two of them before he died that you saw her soften a bit towards him and then all of a sudden he's dead and you know in in that sort of maelstrom of emotion wanting to find somebody to blame for it i could very easily see gray looking at john going just the same way marwood did saying this is on your head and gray knowing what she knows or what she thinks she knows about john says all right i'm going to hang you for it yeah but that was, i mean i can get it in the moment but like after an hour or two like like well that and they don't get the hour or two to figure it out because as they're transporting luther the car gets jumped and somebody shows up sprays uh tear gas in or mace in stark's face sprays mace in gray's face and john's sitting there trying to figure out what the hell is going on and somebody with a gas mask gets back in the car, pulls it up, and who is it? <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Alice is back. Yeah. And, you know, you kind of cheer at that point because, like, he needs an ally at this point. <laughs> oh, I have never been so happy yeah. to see Alice in my life. I was that like. Totally, that, that, that totally surprised me. I, I thought, at first, is Marwood trying to abduct him for something? How how, how do you get hold of all this military or police grade equipment? My first, and then it's like, oh, oh my god, Alice! My first thought was Marwood, but then I thought about it like a second longer, and I was like, it has to be Alice. Like, there's no, 
especially when you got a good look at her because you know she's a she's a robust woman but she's not like a big hulking dude like um Marwood yeah, is. she's not Marwood well yeah. and this this was kind of the the payoff right because we've we've not had her for most of the season and so for any of the this season of having her back at the end right yeah, we didn't yeah, have her at all this true. season and not to, we haven't seen her since episode 1 of season 2 yeah that's right. So we started. We started with the the uh, postcards, right? Yeah. Uh huh. You know, and I we get that conversation between the two of them as they're catching up at uh, her apartment, which apparently wasn't her apartment, but uh, we find out that get an idea of where her travels have gone. But also, John starts piecing things together, going, "Wait a minute, wait that this is too simple," because. You don't have an apartment and show up out of the blue unless you know what's going on. And John starts putting the pieces together and saying, you know, how long have you actually been here? And she's like, you know, she finally tells him a while. And she, we get that conversation that we had been thinking about at the end of episodes one and two about Mary. Or as Alice refers to her as John's pixie. Oh. And and refers to Ripley as uh, John's pet. John's puppy. 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 You know, but she has a very telling line there with John in regards to Mary of she's not what you want. She's what you think you want. And John looks at her and says, what do you think I want? And all Alice does is sit there and smile at him. No, well, but, you have to understand it. It's, the line's even more subtle than that. It's not she's not what you want. She's what you want to want. Yeah. Right. Not what he thinks he wants, making sure that he is aware he doesn't actually want her, but he wants to be the person who wants her. It's like yeah. one more level away from from his uh, from his id and his ego. Yeah, but he but the thing is, he's aware that he's uh, deceiving himself is the big. Mm-hmm. You know, and the, the of course because it's Alice, they have to figure out a plan to stop Marwood, and. What they realize, and I like how Alice helps him piece it together as they're watching the the replay of his video that he had done explaining why he's doing all this stuff. And John says, you know, well, in order to do this, you've got to take everything away from him. And we cut really quick to when Marwood's in his van and he's hearing the news reports about Ripley dying and how they're branding Ripley to be a hero and they flat out refer to Marwood as a coward. Yeah. I, I, he I, I thought, doesn't uh, take it well. Well, and it's like, no, well, let's just be honest here. Uh, everybody put their journalism hats on. Uh, maybe not. Maybe let's, and we'll take that journalism hat back five years, not uh, now. But that doesn't seem to be a very uh, unbiased thing to say. Well, you have to see, no. understand, the British media has always kind of done that, right? Like, They've called people an asshole on the front line. And, uh, I mean, he used up every ounce of goodwill he had when he killed a cop. Gotcha. Uh, Okay. Okay. It was one thing when he was killing bad guys, right? That was one thing. But when he kills a cop, that's like no one's behind him at that point, right? They. Yeah. Yeah, That that comes later. That comes back later with the other scene about killing a cop. So it, it does come back. Right, yeah, and, there's, and no, having... there's no mob justice, no no mob opinion, no no you know cheering from the crowd that hey you killed a police officer you know so. right yeah having been a journalist for ten years that's one where you're right Mo is that is 
the the need to editorialize in circumstances like that it happens more often than you would think and i'm not necessarily saying that's right but because everything is swayed by public opinion to this point yes everything that mar would have done had been against the people that the mob for lack of a better term people in general could rally around and support because nobody's going to feel sorry for these people but he shot an unarmed cop point blank and killed him as he was in the his in the line of duty the public opinion turned on a dime right there whether marwood wanted it to or not and now everything he's doing from here it's fractured him enough that everything he does from here is to such the extreme that he thinks if he has to go there to get that support back to fill out what he wants to do and that's why he's so desperate to put the blame on John because his own internal narrative falls apart. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, that's one of the things that's pushing on him because his whole mission statement, right, he just violated it. And he just right. turned into the villain. Yes. Mm-hmm. And and when he hears on that same radio broadcast that the guy who had killed his wife was put in the, when, uh, has been hospitalized because he'd been attacked, he goes completely to the extreme and kidnaps a pregnant woman i mean talk about the ultimate in cowardice here it's it's one thing to go after somebody who is vulnerable and can't defend themselves i mean we've seen that throughout this series and i mean it's we uh, that's a universally understood truth and for a guy who thinks he is doing something righteous to make a victim out of a pregnant woman to put leverage on her husband to kill the guy who killed his wife. Yeah. I was just, oh, you bastard. And it's actually kind of poetic because first time we see him, he's killing active predators, right? He's, he's, right, like, he's killing people Bad guy, dead guy. Well, not just bad guy, dead guy, like, actively bad guy, like, person committing, right? About to commit a rape, about to commit a murder, right? All right, got gotcha. The the worst of the like the most justifiable means of the use of his force, right? Mm-hmm. And then we slowly go down the list. Even when he kills the cop, the cop's at least a threat to him. He's aggressive, you know what I mean? He's not. It's not correct, but it's at least right. He's it's within. It's within his acting his his sphere. And then to go against not only to 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 hunt down a pregnant woman. He is now the active predator. That he did he with. have that plan? If 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 um, Ripley did not die, if let's say that happened differently, would he have still gone down that same path? I, I don't think so. No, because he would have had the public support he wanted. Still, I doubt okay. it. I think he's like, well, fuck it. Like, Plan A is yeah. no longer in in play. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, th- I think the 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 death of Ripley just. You know, kind of broke what he had left of a connection, and he's just now drifting. You know, it's all downhill. So he's gone right. from the, his the, grand the guy, plan to settling for simple, uh, for simple uh, revenge. The, the, the guy in prison yep. was the one that killed his wife, so I guess this was his way. Okay, of, okay that's I'll I'll take the you know prison doctor's wife for leverage, as Alice said, and I'll I'll get him to kill. Yeah, I forget the guy's names. Uh, Lizach. Yeah, to to you know get his ultimate revenge, you know, on his own personal tragedy. Yeah, because wasn't it that he was still in jail, but he only got a nine-year sentence or something? Yeah, 
And and it was the fact that he had been attacked and hadn't been killed, but he was in a position where this doctor could go and finally kill him. That is what would satisfy Marwood. And that's what he tells him on the phone. It's, you want your wife back? Well, okay, I can't get my wife back, but you can kill the guy who killed my wife, and in return, you get your wife back. And And you just see how far this downward spiral is going, because at the beginning of the episode, this isn't... Marwood wouldn't have even thought to do that. But everything that's led him up till here, it he is totally splintered off into a different paradigm of, okay, now anything goes. I think it's less that and more his grand plan has failed. Right? Mm-hmm. Under his grand plan, he like he could have gotten justice through the system, right? Like by extending his sentence. His societal shift plan has failed. So he's at least gonna and he knows he's going to die, right? Like, that's always been from moment one. He knows he's eventually going to die. Um, so he's going from his grand plan to simply getting simple revenge. Right. But even when we, as Alice and Luther are trying to track him down and they find him in that abandoned uh, building with another guy, his his demands have escalated. It's gone from, look, just give me two days and I can show you how this all gets sorted out of, I want to meet with the prime minister. I want him to give me a referendum. I want the death penalty reinstated, and I'm going to kill people every day until that happens. That's a and little it was unfair. Like, we've he, we've skipped some levels here. That's actually very unfair. He said he wants the prime minister to issue a referendum and let the people decide and make right. that decision. It's di- he's not saying if you don't um, if you don't implement it, I'll keep doing it. He's saying until the question is raised, I will keep doing it. Which is mm-hmm. which is. Subtly but importantly different, I think. Right, but at the same time, it, it all goes back to the reality of more people are... This is going to continue to escalate until Marwood gets what he wants. And what he ultimately wants, he can't get because really he wants his wife back, and the grief that he has is getting him to just keep making this worse. Yeah. Um, but then we get the yeah, scene Luther, where... Luther at this point has... Luther at this point has already uh, communicated through Alice to the... Um, Shank that uh, I love that the, yeah. the end result being the uh, the suicide by cop. That's that's mm-hmm. where he says that's that's what Mar- Marwood wants to end up with. I but do- let's backtrack a second because when when she's walking in and you see Benny answer the phone, and all of a sudden <laughs> Benny hands the phone to Shank, and the two of them just turn and look, and Alice is sitting there and she just waves. <laughs> oh, before that happens, there is one amazing scene that I, I want to touch on. Yep. Where uh, Stark, like, comes to Shank and tells him how to, like, how to widen, oh, his, yeah. to widen his investigation or whatever. Yeah. And Shank just tears the fuck into him. <laughs> he just rips him right open, gives him a little razor blade across the ass. Mm-hmm. You don't tell me how to do my job. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah and... And well, and that how... had a little little extra meaning, didn't it? Because Shank's previous job was similar to um, Stark's job now, except uh-huh. done except done right. Correct, correct. I, but, I do, but but position wise, yeah, I do love the last lines in that where Stark says, "Luther has some very loyal friends, doesn't he?" And Shank replies, "Yes, he does." Yeah, especially now that Ripley is gone. I mean, this yeah. if this wasn't personal for Shank before, it damn well is now. And 
Rip, and Shank is doubly angry because he knows he knows for a fact Luther had nothing to do with that, right? He he knows like there's Oh yeah. It, John and he knows Stark knows that John had nothing to do with this. Right, but they can't see the forest for the trees on that. I mean Shank knows that John would have gladly stood in front of that shotgun and taken the blast for Ripley himself. But Shank can't or but Stark can't see it because Grey couldn't see. It. So you know, and, and speaking of, of Luther standing in the way of a bullet, you know, when he finally, he and Alice track Marwood down, and we get that great scene where Alice is the one now, she gets control of the camera, as Marwood's got the shotgun pointed at John, and John can utilize the ability that he knows this is being filmed to basically continue to tell Marwood that everything he's doing, it's it's not going to change anything. It's, you killed Justin, he's gone. Nothing you do is going to change anybody's mind at this point. So you might as well and, just yeah. stop it now. And now we have proof that you're about to do it again. Yeah, right, and that's the where the cop killing now, on camera comes from. Yeah, yeah, and then now no one's going to care about you because you've, you've kidnapped and you're going to threaten to kill a pregnant woman. You, you complete total slime ball. Yeah. You know, you, you've lost any kind of public opinion. Even if you had some before for the cop killing part, now you've got nothing at this point. Well, and also, he kind of plays to it, because his killing of Ripley, right, there's not video of it, there's not definitive proof, there could be, like, he could still spin it, right? Right. Um, He came at me, I thought he was someone else, you know what I mean? Like, he could spin that, right? But video right. of he- him executing a police officer is... Right. Well, and, he, and he, it's almost like he went for a cheap um victory in that he was getting um a DUI uh offender that had killed a child so it's like it's like well I, i've lost so much opinion here but if i do this maybe they'll understand yeah. and again yeah. he wasn't a simple it wasn't that simple he was a repeat DUI offender who had his license right. suspended who was behind the wheel of a stolen car that right while right. intoxicated but- so like this is a this is Pretty bad guy. Yeah, was he no. passed out that whole time? Because that guy just uh, sat yeah, in that he, chair the he, entire he time. Was, he was just an absolute unconscious lump in that chair. Yeah, I don't know what Mar would hit him with, but he was out cold. Even after the gunshot went off, he didn't even stir. Yeah. You and know? That, and now, let me let me ask a let me ask a quick question here um, about the camera though. Was yeah. it broadcasting or was it just recording? It was because recording. It was just recording. I, I don't know if it was broadcasting because we there wasn't any indication no, that it was I, I broadcasting. Think it was just recording. Just recording because yeah. if it had been broadcasting, so, then it would have been a different story, right? Right. He wouldn't be. Right. He wouldn't so, be so interested in getting the So what stopped from shooting tape. both of them and getting the camera back? That's what he did, or that's what he was going to do. Well, the, the look on his face is like you know he, he's talking to Luther. Suddenly he turns around. Alice has the camera in his face. He's like, what? what, what? Put the camera down. And Luther's like, no, look at me and deal with me. Yeah. And, just the total confusion. Like he, he has no clue what's going on at this point. He's well, reluctant to kill Luther, and he doesn't know who Alice is. So, like, he, he right, doesn't want thing, to. The only thing he knows about Alice is she's a woman. And yeah. I mean, if Fred, he, had known he what kidnapped was. a pregnant woman, but do you really think that Marwood was the sort of person that would have shot Alice in that moment well, because he, she's a woman? I well, mean, if he had known who I, she was. <laughs> Right, I think because it interrupted well, his plan yeah. at such a level that it's like I cannot get out of this now. I am I am now the villain on every level. If this it, that's weird, it was like you know it's a weird plot detail. Like oh the tape, you know it's kind of a weird MacGuffin, but it works as long as you don't think 
like in the future of like live streaming and things of that nature like that this has to have this has to be uploaded somewhere yeah remember yeah, this true, was 2013 but, but then he turns right around and goes you know has no trouble shooting everybody in the next scene which we're going to get to i know but I just right. the, the difference in, you know, if he'd have just done it here, he wouldn't have had to worry about the tape. Well, and I also like how Marwood turned it on its ear and said, OK, well, you tell me where Natalie, the pregnant woman is. and I'll give you back the tape. And Marwood's like, no, and shoots John in the leg and says and takes his phone and figures out where Mary is and says, no, you I will give you give me the tape. I'll give you Mary back. So he maintains control and puts John in another compromised position where. He's got to figure out really quickly how to get this from going any worse. Well, and I think here's what happens. I think he was trying to get his plan A back on track with the uh, trying with the um, child murder and everything. He was going to try to get his original plan back on track, right? Yeah. Then when he confronted Luther and when they lost the tape, right? He he's he's given up hope on that. So he's going back to just enforcing his simple revenge. Which if if Luther gets to uh, the the pregnant lady, then that's over too. So he's now just like he's lost all pretext at this point. When he shoots Luther in the foot, he's lost all pretext. Yeah, my my one gripe about that scene is is he, and he shoots him in the thigh, not in the foot. And it's knowing what I understand about uh, uh about anatomy. I mean, if you shoot somebody in the leg, that's going to do a lot more than just give you a really strong limb. Yeah. I mean, granted, again, this is for the convenience of the script. That was one where, I mean, yeah. you see him make the tourniquet and everything, but I'm like, man, you get shot in the leg yeah. and that's going to really mess up your style. Given Alice's improvised <laughs> gun at the end, I, yeah. I really don't think they know how guns work. Yeah. Right. Well, and, we and need we've to get seen to that. Luther shake off other things anyway. So, yeah, I mean, Luther's Ian almost gutted him like a fish in, in season one and he yeah. shook that off. So. Well, Again, adrenaline's a hell of a drug. It is. <laughs> so uh, is so is plot armor. Right. Well, <laughs> right. and we find out somebody who definitely does not wearing plot armor, and that would be George Stark, because as they <laughs> are going to stop Marwood, as he's coming up to get Mary, you know, well, we had talked about in the previous episodes about how when the creeper comes out from under the bed how well that was set up to avoid the traditional jump scare. This was one of the most effective jump scares I have had in a long time. Because we have Gray and and Stark, again, with weapons, going down to confront who they think is John coming up to get Mary. And the way that is set up where you see them coming down the stairwell and you see multiple doors, you don't know what's coming where, and then all of a sudden, literally... Bam! And down goes George Stark. I was just like... I mean, but, it took my breath away the first time I saw it. I was like, whoa! I think it's an important step you missed there, because John calls Mary. Yes. And says, put me on speaker, right? Yep. And is like, get her out of there, get her out of there. Like, clearly frantic and panicked, right? And Gray believes her, or believes him. And then Stark cuts him off on the phone and says, oh, that's just nonsense, right? Right. But it does. Well, it, it serves the purpose to get them at least on alert. Because remember, Alice is on play, right? And she drops that water bottle down the stairs. Ugh, yeah. in such a sexy way. Uh-huh. But that gets them to feel that something's up, right? And so... Right. Well, but, and but also... Yeah, if, if, if you feel any, any thought of like a, like a Luther Stark showdown at the end, nope. <laughs> they took that well, one right and, out. 
and a big part of it, I think, is that by thinking it's Luther, they aren't. Yes, they're on alert, but they aren't in fear for their life, right? I mean, they're, yeah. they're not thinking that Luther's going to be there to kill them. And so they're not, it's not the same as Marwood, who's obviously got no compunction about and handling it more violently. Something I should point out, we learned earlier about Marwood, right? Is this is incredibly planned on his part, right? Because he basically went off the grid for three years. Like, mm-hmm. learned Krav Maga, joined gun clubs, picked up a bunch of other skills, right? So he, like, it wasn't... uh no, this is calculated. This yeah, was not a spur of the moment thing. This is Bruce Wayne's seven years in Asia all over yeah. again. Yeah, but I I have seldom had a more visceral reaction seeing, I mean, and it's the flip side of when Ripley is shooting. It was, I mean, when that happened, I was just, no, God, no, don't. Uh, and then when Stark went down, I was just, oh, yes! Well, it also you shows son of a bitch! But then yeah. you get a chance to see uh, Gray's true colors, which are actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. Well, and even during that phone call, remember, she hears John say, she's a good woman, just you stick with her. So mm-hmm. he know, like, he, in some ways, he's able to at least set up threads to say, here are people that you can deal with, you can trust. And it's almost like he's trying to tell her... I know you're trying to do the right thing. You're just doing. You're just. You're. You're impeding the shit out of what I'm doing. But I. I. I believe in you. And when push came to shove, right? When like because uh, uh, Marwood has never seen Mary, right? Right. Um. But she uh asks her, "Are you Mary? Are you Mary?" And she says, "Yes, yes." Without hesitation, I'm Mary. Right at right. gunpoint. Yeah, but then Marwood says, wait a minute, I've heard her voice on the phone. You're not Mary. And then we hear the off-camera pull of the trigger, and you hear the shot, and you go, oh, damn. Yep. Well, because well, she takes the f- he, he takes her uh, wallet. Yeah. And, um, and that was one of the things I thought was really effective, was it, even Stark's death, it, yes, it was on camera, but it was, was very little of it was seen, right? He gets, he gets the shot, they show a little bit of correct. it, and that's it. It's not focused on. And then her death being off screen, it's it's a lot more effective, I think, than if you see it and um, you kind of can move on. It's kind of like, did they, don't they? Yeah. You don't really know. And later we find out that Marwood at least has some bit of conscience left because he must have respected what Gray did. Right, because yeah. he didn't kill her. Yeah. 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 He just, yeah. Which, he just toppled which, her. Right, which, which harkens back to why I think that when he had the standoff, the first standoff with Alice and Luther, he doesn't shoot Alice because his beef isn't with, you know, especially because it was his wife who had died. He's yeah. not going to turn around and shoot a woman when the whole reason he's doing this is because the woman who was the centerpiece of his life is dead at the hands of a man. Well, also, so, but, like, there's that whole uh, Alice um, meets up with Mary, um, mm-hmm. finds a clip of bullets, but no gun. Um, asks for a nail, and then they just go on this kind of like mad dash to the roof where they kind of well, it was like it was like Die Hard girl style. Yeah, because yeah. Or, like, or they like put late... a bullet between the doors and hit it with the nail. And... Easy there, Lady MacGyver. Like yeah. that would work. But but what was it? I really enjoyed about that. Now there was this tension of killer coming up the staircase. However, I think the the bigger piece of this puzzle is. 
well, we love Alice, and we know inev- inevitably we would love to see Alice and Luther together, but this, again, yet another love triangle where she's feeling out the pixie and just like, oh, you're just so useless. You're, I, I don't even understand what he sees in you. Yeah. Right. And this time it isn't, this time it's predator versus predator. You know what I mean? It's not, uh, oh, yeah. Right. Like, it's not, I mean, Alice is at a disadvantage, but she's still Alice. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. He has no idea what he's walking what's up he on. What's he going to do when he gets there? Gets her, right? You know? Yeah. He gets his hands on her. What's he going to do? Well, and again, where we're dealt left with the standoff between and where one of the two has to be has to be shot. Uh, and it's got to be up to Luther to make that happen. Again, in he thinks, "Oh, these are just two women that he cares about." But it's not even that simple. No, it's a lot more complicated. Do you remember, do you, did you notice how every time it was like her or her or her or her, right? Yes. And every time the gun was pointed at uh, Alice, she smiles real widely at Luther. Mm-hmm. Like no, the way the way that scene panned out, I mean, the tension in it was, I thought it was pitch perfect, and mm-hmm. and how John can't he can't choose. You know, well, and, and it seemed it seemed like Alice was okay. She gave the nod as if not that I have a plan, but it's okay. You can choose her. I'll die. I I do think it was a plan because the way he smiled every time it was pointed at him, at her, uh, because she was feeling him and she she realized that he was hesitating like hell. Okay. Mm-hmm. So and she knew she had the nail in her hand, right? And she knows how fast she is. Yeah, but I was still kind of thinking that maybe she would, you know, take one for the team, so to speak. Like this right. is the final, final sacrifice for Luther. That you know, this is how much I love you. you know, I'm going to let you have your pixie. I'll go down. Right, because ultimately it was the hard. pixie. The pixie saved her life. Yep. Well, the pixie happened to do it, but she was oh, right, exactly. Mid-spin. She that's was and mid spin before, and that's that would bolster my case to say. I don't think Alice knew, definitely didn't know that she was going to do that. I think she would, maybe she could, she could have reached around and gotten the, the nail into his, into his jugular again, but I don't, I don't know. You see, I, I went I, back I, and watched it several times. All right. Before. Mary's, Confirmational uh, bias. Mary starts moving. Alice has started spinning. Okay. Right. So Mary did an assist. But Mary, was, Alice was counting on the hesitation from from uh, from uh, Marwood. Okay, right. So yeah, because, the second right. she says Alice, Alice starts spinning, and there's a beat before Mary pushes the gun away. Right, because the last thing that John would, I think, I think the last thing Marwood was expecting was John to go when because he says Alice first, and you see him go, wait a minute. What? And then John has to say, "Shoot, Alice." And then he keeps right. making her say it again and again. That's why I'm saying Alice. Alice was counting on that hesitation. Yep. And was like, I, I will also. And of course, I'll what? also point out that the, the the callback to the fact that we're back on the roof, right? So it's a little bit of a flashback to the the first season where to the very beginning stand off on the roof. Yep. And also, what in Alice's behavior hitherto 
lets you believe for a second she would sacrifice herself. See, okay, I I think this is probably where my own biases, like where a lot of times I look for those characters to do something uh this that self-sacrifice moment and so mm-hmm. when i read it as that it was like this is the redemption arc of alice you know alice has she's she's not had a single feeling because she doesn't understand feelings she emulates feelings and this is a way of for her to say i'm i'm going to let you be happy i don't think that you want this woman but maybe i'm wrong and, and Alice's will... behavior has ever shown her to have even the smallest medical. She walked into Star, uh, to Snick's, uh, Shank's office, for God's sake. Right, but there was one point that we glossed over earlier in the episode where there was a moment between John and uh, Alice in the car where John's pushing her and saying, you know, why did you really come back? And she said, I wanted something. Is what? Just... Exactly. Yeah. And, and, that emotional attachment is, is so strong in Alice. And again, you're right, Sean. She she emulates people. She can't feel that stuff. And, and, and again, you're reading she, an emotional attachment that I do not believe is there. It is a possessive attachment. Right. But I think with John, with her realizing that this, with Mary, that that is somebody that, that he could finally be happy with, and that she's not necessarily a Zoe 2.0. Right. But it's somebody that, that Mary can give John something that Alice can't, which is emotion, this genuine feeling. I remember this is the same woman who want, he said, I always wanted to be a widow. Yes. But that was here's, a great line. Here's something. Let me ask you this. Has anything in Alice's character up until now let you to believe that she does not 100% believe she commands every situation she's in. Oh, no. She, she knew she was in control there. I, I, for, I do not for one second believe she had a... Uh, a feminine moment? No. She was okay. like, I can take this idiot. Right, okay. What I'm saying but, is, what I mean by the feminine moment is that she's, she's going to be a damsel in the situation. No, because I, is, I agree with you. She would never do that. The, the the joke of this series is Alice is the biggest monster of them all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? She's not... I, I can see Alice going many ways. I cannot... Or I do not want her to have the redemption arc because that's not what she is. She is what she is. Right. No, and, and I don't think it's necessarily a redemption arc. Is is If anything, it may have just been a potential point of evolution for her where, you know, she... In that situation, it's, okay, John's stuck with making a choice, and Alice, just through body language and whatnot, kind of steers him that way. And and let me add this one piece of evidence, because I just thought of it now, because Mm -hmm. of the quote that I wrote at the very end of the thing, and I said at the top of the show as well, she tells Mary, you know, treat John well, or I'll kill you and eat you. Oh, yeah. She's she is a monster. So in she, her mind, he she is she's allowed Mary to be with John at that particular moment. She she will you know for all all intents and purposes she wants John, but she will at this point because they've been through something. She will allow allow Mary to be 
And that is okay with her, well, that she is said, allowing it. What she said earlier to John, you'll be, tired with an, you'll be tired with her by the end of the week. Right, but that was before she met her. Yeah, but she still wants John to be the one in power, and John can end a relationship, and eventually will. But it may take a little longer, and that's why she's right. telling him. That's why she told Mary, right? Because... Right? Well, and it... We get through this, and of course... As you guys have pointed to, you know, she gets her shot at Marwood and slashes his neck with the nail. But rather than letting Marwood die, John jumps in and to get the information on the pregnant woman, on Natalie, mm-hmm. just any and the way he does goes about it. I mean, he is just as as vicious at that point as Alice could hope to be. But with the understanding of I'm not going to let you die, you son of a bitch, you're going to get you me. what I want. Yeah. And then I'm going to save you because you. Yeah. There is no way I'm going to let you die here. You will not get what you want. Not after what you took from me. Not after what you've done. No. And there was and, that conversation between Alice and John earlier, where like John lays out his plan, and Alice says that's very cruel. And John's response was, "It was the cruelest thing I could think of." Yeah, and it was deserved. And yep. it, and, and and the the pure honesty you see in Marwood as he's begging john because it's like we've said this whole time it's what he's want it's his end it was his end game it's everything he's been playing up to was to be made a martyr for what he saw was a righteous cause and now not only does he not get that he gets to be shown for the villain he is and everything he's done and the guy who should let him die is not gonna let him and what do you do in season one he let him die yeah yeah, so it's yeah. like exactly it's, it's pretty much bookends of the of the two seasons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, as that is all finally being resolved, and we see Erin uh, Gray being wheeled out, so we know that she is at least not dead. Um, and how John is not being wheeled out himself because with that leg wound, he had to have lost at least a liter of blood at this point. Let's just say this. He had a leg wound and there was a lot of steps in this uh, setting. (laughs) Yeah. How he got all the way up that I will never know. Um, But Benny... took the plot elevator. Yes, he did. (laughs) Well played. Uh, Benny shows up and gives him a slip of paper saying it was from Mary and Alice is in the truck because she's been arrested. And John goes to give his regards to Alice and finds out it's not Alice. Well, I'm pretty sure that's what that note said. Right. Oh, I'm, I have no doubt that's what the note said. But I'm glad you guys figured that out because I, I was just like, I don't even understand. what, what, what Why are they not showing us the note? Right. And this was probably along with, um, you know, the whole impetus for Stark and Grey to arrest John for Ripley's death. The one part of this that was always hazy for me of why would Mary do this after everything she's been through, but she says it flat out. I don't care what Alice is, she saved my life. Which kind of mirrors at the very beginning when the the woman who was saved by Marwood was like, said the exact same thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I liked I, ha- how we see John for a second. He just kind of deflates as he falls into her lap at that at the end of that, where he's like, you know, I gotta go, but 
you know, you can see that, that this whole thing, it, it pained him to have to let Mary go this way. You know, because I, there's, I like, there's no walking back from Yeah, I, I like the emotion of the scene because, again, he knows that, let's just, I'm going to infer that he's taking on what Alice has said is, I think the world of you, I, I really like you, but I don't love you. And I gotta, I can't do this. I didn't like the switcheroo. I'm going to be point blank. I absolutely hated it that the switcheroo happened, but I understand for the sake of what needs to happen coming, going forward. That's fine. But I just, it was, it was, it was, I, I like the denouement of their relationship and we're now, we know each other. That's it. So I, I feel we need to rewind to when, uh, Alice and Luther first get into the uh, apartment, and Alice tells Luther, "You know, if you're going to be on the uh, on the run, you're going to have to get rid of that coat." And, and Luther says, "Marwood first. Well, and he also says, "It's my lucky coat." Yeah, he's like, uh, "If I were you, I'd take that back for a refund." Because uh, <laughs> no, and well, I feel that's really important to the implication of the final scene. Okay. Yes. Because this final scene is back where we have found Luther and Alice many times before, standing on the edge of a bridge. Are we inside and the credits yet? No, we're just getting right, right there. there. Just towards the okay. end. Yeah. Because we see John meet Alice at the bridge, and they chat for a second, and we get the same line that we've gotten for the end of every series for three series now, which is when... She asks John, okay, now what? And then she tells John, okay, you really got to lose the coat. And we see John step back, take it off, and let it go into the Thames. And then we get the credits where we see the intersperse of them walking off the bridge as the coat floats away. And, and else there, said, there is that a- one part where if you I like it, it becomes the whole jumping of the shark area. You most people want to see Alice kiss Luther. Yep. And it almost is they're so close and she just opens her mouth just enough that you're thinking, is it going to happen? Of course, that's what I mean. You know, of course, we don't want that to happen because it would just, you know, blow the show up completely. And you don't want that. You just you always want that tension there. But I thought, oh, boy, is it going to happen? Because honestly, I didn't remember. It's kind of like uh, in Empire Strikes Back. When you grow up a little bit and you realize that by the time Han and uh, Leia have made it to best friend, they've probably had sex. (laughs) And that makes you see things. You know, I never really light. thought of that. Thank well, you very much for that. Sean just ruined it. <laughs> no, well, think about yeah. it. They, I, <laughs> I know, if I thought everything about Star Wars had already been ruined and then the OT had been damaged, then here comes Shibley with the double down <laughs> forearm quiver shiver and just destroyed it even further. Thanks. The only thing that would have been worse is if he had said, You understand, by the time they get the Bespin, not only would it have been Han and Leia, Han or Luke and Leia would have at some point, too. No, but you've got to believe Chewie was watching. No! <laughs> no, no. You, you've Come just on. told me this from my childhood now. No, no. 
This is all bad. <laughs> this is going in a very dark direction now. Yeah, I, I'm not sure we're gonna how we're, how we're gonna walk this back. But other than that, I mean, now okay. that we have, well, I got reached... a question for everybody. I all right, okay. is uh-huh. exactly this? This is my ignorance of British shows. Okay, did they know at this point that there was another season, or was this possibly a ending point? Well, one of the things they had talked about at the end of season three was the possibility of two things. They had talked about doing an actual Luther movie, which, again, we've alluded to with these two episodes, would have been a great two-hour movie. Or they were also talking about bringing Idris Elba to the States and doing an Americanized version of Luther, which, thankfully, never took off. But has yeah. there is precedent in the case of Broadchurch. Yes. Right. Um, uh, and the the thick of it, right? Uh, well, there's a lot of stuff that that was yeah, done. I mean, the office of, was yeah. the same way, but the reality was at this point they weren't sure if there would be a fourth season, and the fourth season actually was not greenlit for another two years. I want to say 2016 was when season four came out, and then season three came out. This one came out in 2013. And if I remember correctly, like, British seasons are very much more atomic. Like, they're not... They're designed to be just what they are. Yeah. Yeah, there's no cliffhanger ending between seasons, you know, over there. It's, you know, so this could have been a good, okay, let's bring the curtain down on Luther, you know, goodbye. With the exception of Doctor Who, which is the exception, I think, that proves the rule. Sure. And and honestly, when I saw this five years ago, I thought that this was it. If this had been the end point, I'd be like, fine, great, that is a good place to end it. Oh, it's like Return of the Jedi, and then things happened. Yeah, Uh, I know, I'm being bitter. (laughs) Yeah, and that was that was kind of my take on it was that with the the whole jacket um, metaphor there, that you kind of could have had a a cutoff point here and and you know left it to the imagination. So well, and remember we had we had the setup in season two where Alice had come to John and said, you know you've done enough, it's time to go. And then in, here in episodes three and four, there was a point where when they first meet up, she gives him a forged passport saying, you know, it's time to go. And he says, okay, but Marwood first, then yeah. I'll go. Yeah, so and I think it's... Right, so this was the first, this was the first time in, in the pre, after the previous seasons, you know, compared to the previous seasons, that I felt like they could have done that. You know, the other seasons have always had this thing where you're wondering, okay, now what? Mm-hmm. So... And well, so- and and Ripley's gone. You know, everything with Mary is done. He's yeah. solved this case. He's done everything. And yeah, so like really, Ripley was his final tie to. Yeah, and there's yeah, nothing and the- holding him back from just saying with Alice, "Okay, let's go." And yeah, there, have- there's no more. There's no more internal affairs case because, well, you know, the main guy's dead, and and Gray's pretty much at this point given up. It's like, no, he's okay. Or she, she probably isn't going to try and take that any further. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would be completely surprised if season four opens anything else. Um, it could Make be a prediction like, now. Yeah. John is gone. I could see Shank finding him to bring him back for something, and that being the beginning. Okay. So he's taken off his cape, Batman, and he's gone off with well, uh, the Catwoman. The river. Right. So he, like, he's, mean, he's unleashed the mantle. He's done. His Robin is dead. What what more can he do? Uh, yeah, and uh, he's tired, and rightfully so. But mm-hmm. yeah, he, he's he's off with uh, 
some M country probably, and or maybe they're in Berlin, right? Uh, well, in long term, I mean, do we think in season four that there would be? I mean, because we know that for all their chemistry, that Alice and John, long term. Is this something that that could continue to work going forward, knowing what we know about these two? Possibly. Maybe not, but I will be disappointed if they, if John showed up at work the next morning. Mm Mm-hmm. Right, like, they have to have Uh, gone somewhere, at least for a while. uh, Could they be adversaries again? Again, I don't know anything about four any longer. Like, I literally have no... No, I've got nothing. I, so I don't know if – yeah, I don't think they'll be adversaries. I just don't see that. It seems mm-hmm. ludicrous, but – There would know, have to be I, a hell of a – Yeah. There would have to be a big to catalyst to cause that, I would think. Something I, has to happen to, I, I would, to cause that divide to happen. I could see them having walked their separate ways for like – but yeah. I can't see there being animosity there unless something uh, – I will say yeah, that I would, I would on, say it's more on, likely that. Go ahead. Okay, I was I was just going to say this. I know that I have heard from people when we began doing this show. There were people on the inside saying, "Oh, I really like that show until," and they really seem to resent Alice, which I find to be uh, amusing as hell for my own reasons, but. There, there was, there was a very a, a hard animosity that that maybe what we're going to see is the Alice and Luther show. Mm. So, just kind of as a comment o- overall, right? Uh, I came into this knowing that Luther was a much beloved show, right, and really nothing else. Mm. And then I saw season one, and I was like, "Yeah, this is okay." Saw season two, and I'm like, I'm still not getting the love. Like, I don't get. I mean, it's it's fine. It's not bad, but it's not. I don't. I don't get it. This was a season. Where I'm like, okay, I get it. Okay. Well, with that said, let's give everybody else a chance to get their assessment in as well. I mean, where because we did this with one and two of this season. How would you rank these two compared to everything that's come before? And Kind of how is your charger progression from where we started until now as we're heading into season four? Remember how I said episodes one and two of this season were probably the best, but I couldn't call them my favorite because they didn't have Alice? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, three and four fixed that. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Jason, what about you? Uh, Yeah, I'll I'll say similar. I mean, I really enjoyed the show from the start. I I don't think it's had to grow on me quite as much. But I will definitely say that as they've gone on, they've gotten better. And like I said, uh, when it came to the the death of Justin in this episode arc, um, I I didn't realize just how emotionally invested I was in the characters. So, yeah, I I definitely would rank it high up there. Um, I'm really interested to see, like we've said, you know, where do you go from here now that he's taken off his cape? And what is that going to imply for the next season? But, yeah, it's definitely high up there on my list of shows. I'm really enjoying it. Eric, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I'll echo Jason. I mean, I've liked the show since you know the first episode. Uh, each season's gotten better and better. The, the the twins one was probably the better 
better one up until these last two, which I thought, as we said before, could be like it's entirely self-contained movie of you know Luther the movie because this was just a you know rock solid set of, set of episodes. Where it goes from here, yeah, it's got to be you know Luther's done. He's off with Alice somewhere. Maybe they've drifted apart, or something didn't work, or they're not in the same picture. And then something happens back in London to either Shank or whoever's the next, you know, captain of the Special Crimes Division is going to, you know, we we have to have, we have, you know, the only one that can solve this case is Luther. We have to go find him, bring him back. All right, Moe, you and I are the two veterans on this case, but I'll give you the first word on it. Um, I, you know, in in so far as now that now that I've, I've you know we've rewatched, I realized that the that the writers started to uh, be more confident in what they could do. You could have season three with literally half of the season with no Alice and be okay. Now I, I don't know if that was scheduling reasons or or what, but they were willing to hold cards until. They were at the right time to be deployed. You know, seeing Alice with with the um with the gas mask, thought that was very cool. And then all of a sudden we we have, and it really does feel like potentially this was supposed to be the end. Potentially, again, not remembering four, it feels like a good ending. We have characters that are dead. We have conflicts and plot points that are now fallen off, and basically. You know, Luther and Alice walking off into the sunset. The 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 U- Luther universe I find to be very interesting. There's not a whole lot on the outside, but it's interesting how they bring characters in and 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 how they exit. And it's actually a very seems like a very small tight cast. Um, I don't know. I, I'm a little bit nervous about four because I feel like this should be the end. So. I'm kind of uh, a little bit cautious. Yeah. You know, when I started watching Luther years ago and understanding what I was getting into with it, it I like how the evolution has gone from where it started to where we are at this point. And, I mean, for all the talk we have about, you know, series and how storylines transition and i like how what we're seeing especially now in this peak tv era where you have seasons and you have shows that aren't setting out to do with rare exception exception of things like the simpsons uh doing like 300 episodes you know they're the writers have this idea of okay i have x number of episodes to tell this story what can i do from season to season to keep the narrative going but also keep it as efficient as possible and not overload us with additional stuff. And I agree with you guys completely. These three seasons, if this had been it, I'd have been fine with it. You know, it would have been left ambiguous enough that we could start to speculate, okay, what does happen with Luther and Alex? Do they stay together? Do they drift apart? And if they had decided to do a movie instead of a season four, what would have that entailed? How do you get Luther back into the fold? Does he come back into the fold? Uh, what does this mean for him and Alice? What does this do for Alice's character going forward, knowing that she's finally got him where she wants him to be with her? Um, you know, there's a lot of variables that are still at play here, but it did tie up every loose end that had come before 
and now puts us in a position where if this was a point where we put John Luther to bed, we know he's going to be sleeping soundly with at least one eye on Alice at all times. Um, you know, as for season four, it's a two-episode season. So, I mean, really, it's it's a real short, compact season that we're going to have to see what happens when we get there. But, um, you know, for these two episodes, I love them and I hate them at the same time. I love them for how they were done. And there's more hits than misses in this uh, in these two episodes. My disdain for them comes in what happens and who it happens to. You know, I and and to me, that's the effectiveness of a good story in which you are invested enough in a character that when they're gone, you feel the weight of that. And if, you know, when Luther comes back, how he's going to carry on without Ripley is going to be, I think, the really pressing thing for me going into season four and how John copes with because I I have every confidence that that whole in John's being is going to be felt going forward, no matter how far we go. So on that, I think we've done enough damage here. So we will close the case book on season three of our show, Luther. And as always, I want to thank the broken boys, Philip Moselak, Jason Johnson, Sean Shibley, and Eric Scott. If you like the show, get, drop us a line at the TV podcast on iTunes and be able to follow along with us as we will be back in a couple of weeks again, to give you the one episode for season four. Until then, I'm Devin Higgins. Been a lot of fun. We'll talk at you then. Bye. <laughs>